turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The title of my message today is from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. And it is simply this, that the battle is not yours, but God's. That's the truth that we're going to look at today. The first point is this. Many of the battles that we face don't have a lot to do with us. I want to say it to you again. Many of the battles that you and I face really don't have much at all to do with us. They're part of a bigger battle, one that's going on in the spirit, a battle in the heavenlies between light and darkness, good and evil, God and Satan. You and I, as dearly loved children of God, are targets that are sometimes caught in the middle of that. It's as if we're pawns at times. Satan can't do anything at all to God. He's already been defeated. But he does come against what God loves the most, his children. He would love to put doubt and fear in your life. He would love for you to misunderstand God or to turn against God or to doubt God or his goodness. He would love for you in the midst of the battle to take things into your own hands and do things that would be contrary to what your father in heaven asks you to do. When you do that, it opens a door in your life where he rightfully has entrance then. Okay, that's why he comes against us. Oftentimes, we're not even aware of that. I told you before about my second grade teacher. For the sake of this story, we'll call her Lucy. She's named after her father, Lucy Fur. <laughs> Looking back to 1974, 1975, I was a little thinner then. My hair was a little lighter. Second grade, I was six years old in second grade. It was 1974 and 1975, and I can say without a doubt, second grade was a tough year. That's when I was in that, remember I told you I didn't know I was dumb? I didn't know I was dumb until I got in there, and I'm in with these, uh, you know, they take me down to this special class, and I didn't know I was dumb, but I knew all the other kids around me, they were dumber than stumps, and so you just kind of get a realization of who you are and where you fit. First grade was okay, other than as far as with the teacher, Mrs. Fritz, she was a new young teacher and she was nice to us. Third grade astonished me because my third grade teacher actually liked me. You know what I mean? She liked me and she thought I was smart. They took me out of the special class and they jumped me up to the highest reading group. But in second grade, my memories as I think of second grade, she was a horrible teacher. One of my distinct memories of second grade was when she made me walk from second grade to first grade with a sign and a baby's bottle. And the sign said, I'm a big baby. And after I had displayed that in front of my second grade class, she made me walk over to first grade. I still remember the way the room was set up. I still remember walking down, opening the door, those heavy wooden doors, opening the door, your heart beating fast walking up to Mrs. Fritz in front of the first grade class with a sign that says, I'm a big baby, and a bottle, and saying to Mrs. Fritz, I'm a big baby, what do you think of that, in front of the class? I still remember that. That's one of those things where a second grader, you feel humiliated, but you don't realize, I always thought I did something. Well, here's what it turns out. I'm sure I've made my mistakes in my life, but what it turns out is this. Mrs. Lucy, Lucy had a problem with my dad and it wasn't just me that she had issues with when terry was in school dad actually had to go into the school 
and talked to her and said, leave my daughter alone. She's not in your class. Leave her alone. Dad had a store and Lucy and her husband didn't want to pay their bills on time. And dad was a kind of a matter of fact guy. And so if you didn't pay your bill on time, there would be consequences. You can't charge at the store anymore. He would cut off your charge account or there were some people who they wouldn't pay and he would go over to their house and he would knock on their door and he would say, hey, hey, George, you've been a good customer, but you haven't been around the past two months since you haven't paid your bill. And I notice when you drive down the road, you turn your head when I drive by. I don't want you to feel bad. You need to pay your bill, then you can come back. And so if Lucy didn't want to pay her bill, she, there was nothing she could do to my dad. There was nothing she could do to him. He'd be like, well, if you don't want to be my customer, you don't have to. I'd rather have someone who pays, pay on time. We won't have a problem. But what she could do, she couldn't do anything to him, but she could mess with what he loves and what he cares about. When I was a kid growing up in Centerville, I understood this was even before the gang said it. Snitches get stitches. I wouldn't tell on anybody. I mean, people could do anything. I would never tell. I would never tell because I always thought if I got in trouble somewhere else, our practice was if you get in trouble at school, you get in trouble at home. Years later, my dad would do electrical work for her. I kind of wanted to go see her in the convalescent home, spitting her food or something. I mean, can we be honest? I'd like to give the convalescent home worker 50 bucks not to change her diaper or something. Let her just sit a while and her depends but that's not who I am. Let's be honest. I kind of felt like it sometimes. And I didn't feel like it unless we talked about it. And then when we'd bring up her name, that would get that feeling, you stinking jerk. I'd like to give her a piece of my mind. Well, if we give too many people a piece of our mind, we won't have anything left. So we can't give, give it too much of it away. With my dad, dad would go and do things for her later on then. I remember saying to dad about it years later, probably like last year, wasn't well, last year, but maybe a couple years ago, a while back. And I remember saying, man, you know, about how she acted and stuff. And then Terry would then say the things she did to her. And dad was, you know, he said, well, I'd go up, he would do work for her, free work, electrical work. He was an electrician. Everyone in the valley, if, if something broke at their house, they'd call my dad. And he'd go up and do work for her. And then he went and charge her. And he said, she, he said, she would cry. She said, what do I owe you, John? He said, nah, nothing. That's all right. We work half a day for her for free. And she would cry. Well, the reason why she, was, she realized who she was, she was a devil to me. Okay? No wonder she was crying. She should cry. Cry about it now sometimes too. But anyhow, Lucy couldn't do anything to my dad. But she could mess with me. Here's the reality. Satan can't do anything to your father. But some of the battles that you're facing, they really don't have anything to do with you. Some of the things that are going on, some of the challenges you're facing, is not that you're some horrible, terrible person, that you've made such, so many mistakes or so many challenges. A lot of times the battles that you're facing are because of who you belong to, what family you're a part of. You're a part of the family of God. As a result of that, Satan hates you. He despises you. And he wants to do whatever he can to hurt you because that's his way of getting at God. If he can get you to be discouraged, if he can get you to be afraid, if he can get you to respond at God in the wrong way, as I said, then he opens the door in your life. There's a story in scripture here. That's our first point. So we've established that many of the battles that we face, 
don't have a lot to do with us. Not that we're perfect, but many of the battles that we face, it's really not a lot to do with us. The second thing that we want to establish is this. The outcome of some battles has already been established. Do you hear me? There's battles that the outcome, the results, it's already been established. The word of God says that Jesus Christ has triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. That Satan is already defeated. He's already defeated. He and his host of demonic forces will be bound and cast into the lake of fire. The redeemed of the Lord, those who, according to Scripture, have overcome the accuser by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, will rule and reign with Jesus throughout all of eternity. Yet we will still face struggles. We know that that battle has already been won. Jesus has already won the victory. Yet you and I, until that day comes, you and I will still face some struggles. We'll still face some kinds of battles. Our text in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 tells the account of when the Moabites and the Ammonites gathered to make war against King Jehoshaphat and Judah. When the king hears the news, he's alarmed. So he determined to seek the Lord and to call a fast. And the people came from all the towns around and they gathered together. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 5, it says this. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over All the kingdoms of the nations, power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, We will stand in your presence before the temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and you will save us. Now Jehoshaphat responds to this threat by according to scripture, inquiring of the Lord. He begins by praising the Lord for his glory and his might. He recounts the victories that God has won for them and he reminds God of his promises to his people. Verse 10, but now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, will you not judge them for, listen to this. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do. Look at that next phrase. But our eyes are on you. Jehoshaphat is being a realist. He's saying this army in the natural, this army is huge. We don't deserve what's going on, Lord. We didn't do anything to bring this on ourselves. 
We were kind to them. We didn't attack them when we had the opportunity. And now they're coming against us. The army is vast. We're outnumbered. They're bigger. There are more of them than there are of us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Are you ever in those situations where you feel like you're outnumbered? Are you ever in those situations where you say, it's bigger than me, I don't know what to do. But the cool thing that they said was, Lord, our eyes, our focus is upon you. Jehoshaphat reminds the Lord how they had obeyed him, how they had not mistreated. But now the same people that they showed mercy to are coming against them and trying to keep them from possessing what they had rightfully inherited. Can I say this to you today? The enemy acts in the same way. He wants to try to keep you from possessing what is rightfully your inheritance in Jesus Christ. Healing is in the atonement. Peace belongs to you. Prosperity, God's provision belongs to you because of what Jesus did upon the cross. He's trying to keep you and take from you those things that are rightfully yours. Verse 13, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood before the Lord. Notice this next phrase. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Matanah, a Levite, a descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. And he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, And all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. Now he says two things for them. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. I want you to see there. The spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. What a glorious thing takes place. When the spirit of the Lord comes upon a man or upon a woman. I'm telling you, he is doing that today. Ordinary flesh and blood are empowered when the spirit of the Lord comes upon them. The Bible says in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, your young men, your old men. When God comes upon a person, they are empowered by the Spirit of God Himself. The words that they speak are not the wisdom of men, but they are a direct word from the Lord. May I say to you today that when you hear the preaching of the word and the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes upon a man or a woman or who is teaching or preaching the word of God, when the spirit of God comes upon them, the word of God is just as true and real and relevant and powerful today as it was back thousands of years ago when the spirit of the Lord came upon that man. The message from God is just as relevant and as true for you today as it was back then this is what happened the spirit of the lord came upon them and that message that god spoke to the people of judah is fresh and relevant for somebody today as it was thousands of years ago and what was that word don't be afraid don't be dismayed don't be discouraged because of this vast army may i say to you don't be afraid Don't be discouraged because of the doctor's report. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged because of the bad news. 
Don't be afraid or discouraged because of this new set of challenges. Don't be afraid or discouraged because the choices of others. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of a setback or a delay. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the circumstances you are facing. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Somebody needs to grab that. You need to grab that, stick it in your pocket. Don't tie it up. Don't let it get away. Because it's God's word for you today. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the battle is not yours, but God's. So whatever your circumstances, whatever thing you're facing today... It does not have to cause you to fear. It doesn't have to cause you to be discouraged because God is fighting for you. When the battle's not yours, it's God's. Whose responsibility is it? It's God's responsibility. The third point is this. You have to face the battle, but God says he will fight for you. I want you to hear that again. You have to face the battle. You have to go out. You have to go through it you got to stand up against it. A lot of times we think that when God fights our battles means that we'll never have to go to war. You will have to go to war. You will have to go through some difficult times. You will have to face it. Look to the person next to you. Say, you got to face it. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. When people get afraid, what do we do? They run. When people get discouraged, what do they do? They hide. They go in their room and pull the covers over their head and wish for things to go away, but it doesn't go away. So you have to face it, but God says he will fight for you. Notice verse 16. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the paths of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jarel. You will not have to fight this battle. They got to face it. But he says, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and notice the next phrase, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, notice what he says, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. There's someone who God's saying to you, don't be afraid. Again and again, he's speaking that word to you. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. God did not say that they could avoid or run from the challenges of life. That's what some people think. They get discouraged because we have to face another battle. No. God told them they'd have to line up. They'd have to put on their armor. They'd have to take their position. They would have to stand firm. And they'd have to watch and see what God would do. Fear would try to get you to shrink back. But if you do, you will miss out on the deliverance of your God. Verse 20. Early in the morning, they left from the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Notice what he said. When you have faith in God, you will be upheld. You will be supported. Did you see that? He says, when you have faith in God, you will be upheld. You will be supported. And when you have faith in the man of God, it leads to success. Do you hear that? 
When you have faith in the prophet of God, when you have faith in what God speaks through the man of God, it will lead you to success. So here's what I want to say to you. When the word of God comes to you on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, whatever time, when someone is preaching under the anointing and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, when you have faith in that word from that man of God, it will lead you into success. This is something you got to grasp and get a hold of. When the word of God comes forth and you kind of feel that in your, it's like rising up in you. You need to grab a hold of that and you need to say, this is the word from the Lord for me. When you take that word and you apply it, I'm telling you, it leads you to success. There's a lot of people who God supports you, but you're not successful. He supports you, but you're not going through to victory. What God wants to do is he wants to take that the whole way through and bring victory into your life. When you apply the word of God to the relationship, when you apply the word of God to areas of faith, when you apply the word of God to areas of obedience, when the word of God comes forth under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and you take that and you trust that man of God and you trust that word, it will lead you into success. Can I say it'll lead you into greater victories? than you've ever experienced. It'll lead you into greater victories than even the people who are speaking have experienced when you trust the word of God and you trust the man of God who's delivering that to you. So as they go out to face the battle, Jehoshaphat selects a number of singers to lead them in praise. And as they begin to give thanks to the Lord and sing about how his love endures forever, The Bible says that the Lord sets ambushes among the people and they turn on one another, destroying each other. When the people arrive at the battlefield, all they see are dead bodies strewn out before them. The Bible says not one of their enemies escaped. The Bible says that there was more equipment, clothing, and valuables than they could carry. And it says that they spent the next three days collecting the plunder. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about how much stuff you could load up. We're not looters. But imagine if you could go into an area and you could carry as much as you want out in three days. I mean, if you could carry away as much as you can in three days, I'd be down at the car lot and getting another car, maybe trucking a boat. You know what I mean? I mean, if I can go wherever and take as much, Lori would probably like some jewelry. I'm not really into jewelry, but Lori and Logan might. I might stop by the jewelry store and pick up a few things. My mother-in-law would even get a new pendant, bracelet. Three days, the Bible says it took them three days of carrying away the plunder. And notice what happened after that. When God fights for you, on the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Barak, where they praised the Lord. That's why it is called the Valley of Barak to this day. The word for Barak is praise. Listen to this. They went from panic to praise. That's how it goes when you let God fight your battles. When God fights for you, the energy that you spend is spending three days collecting the plunder. And instead of being discouraged and afraid and disgusted and feeling hopeless and confused... They go into a place of praise, but notice what happened. God said, you still got to go face it. You still got to go through it. The key was that they praised him, that they worshiped him, 
that they acknowledged him, that they didn't accuse him, but they say, God is good. He's good. That's what they were saying. The Lord is good. We sang about that today, of how good God is. As we conclude, may I suggest to you this, that some of you are facing battles that don't have anything to do with you. You're wondering what you did wrong, why it's happening. has nothing to do with you. It's because of who you belong to. They can't do anything to him. They can't defeat him. The outcome of the battle has already been established. You can just turn to the end of the book and you realize that Jesus has defeated the enemy. He's going to triumph over him. You and I are going to spend eternity in the presence of God. We're going to spend eternity worshiping and serving and praising him. And you can't escape it. You can't escape the battle. You're going to have to go through it. But you have an assurance that he's with you. And he says, I'll fight for you. God's for you. He can stand against you. He's already defeated him. You're victorious. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. I pray for my friends. They have challenges to face. There's battles that they've been trying to avoid, they've been trying to get away from. I ask you today, Lord, that as they walk out of this place, that they would go and face those challenges with the assurance, not afraid, not confused, not discouraged, but confident that God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? That God says he will fight on my behalf. The battle is not mine, but it's God. And as I go towards the battle, as I walk towards that, I'm not going to be afraid, but I'm going to begin to praise him and tell him how good he is and how faithful he is and how much I believe in him and how he's come through again and again. And I will spend the next three days just collecting the bounty. That place of pain, that place of panic is going to turn into a place of praise. I thank you for that, Lord. Blessings upon your people today. Go before them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen.